Manx Radio Podcasts, powered by Shaw. Well, welcome to another Countryside Podcast here on Manx Radio with Kiri Kermode and Simon Clark. Well, two fairly different topics. I'll be talking to Dr Fiona Gell, who's the Senior Biodiversity Officer well, at the Marine side of DEFA, and also Dr Peter Duncan from the Fisheries uh, he's the project officer there. Uh, they're going to be talking about a consultation that's uh, been released by DEFA to get the public's views on uh, marine zoning uh, around the coastal waters of the Isle of Man. And so much goes on that you don't really know about uh, around the waters uh, on the island, isn't there? There is. There's so much wildlife and, you know, the seals, the basking sharks. It's all incorporated in it and a lot to look after, really. Yeah, can you see the sea from your house? Oh yes, do you yeah. love the sea? You do miss it when you're away and you know you spend a fortnight inland or whatever. You do, you crave the sea again. Yeah, but it's nice that um, you'll hear in in the interviews that they're, they're trying to get the public's view on it uh, before they actually do anything. And I know in the past they've been keen to to get the uh, nature marine reserves, you know, in the in the coastal waters around there, and which got the backing uh, of a lot of the fishing side of things as well. You know, they want um, something for you know their sons and families that are involved in it for the future that's right, you know, which is something to look forward to and of course you've got the the people who do the crabs and the lobsters close in you've got the fishermen who who go out in boats and fish off the piers mm-hmm, the yeah. people who like you mentioned that go out just to view the uh, basking sharks and the dolphin watchers and the whale watchers and everything like that jet skis i suppose <laughs> yeah. they're all involved in it have you ever been out on the whale watching boat i haven't been out on the whale watching boat no but um, I, I do like to get down, you know, you, when you see the, the seals, but I know the fishermen don't particularly like them, but when you see them, the, the seals messing about and bobbing, you get them off Jerby Head a lot as well, bobbing their head off the water. They seem to know that you're walking along the beach and they're sort of popping their head up, hello there. You know, <laughs> Very friendly creatures, but you don't get too close to them, they reckon. No, we reckon they'd be quite nasty, but I suppose that's their environment and they're there to protect it and that's that's their life, isn't it? This is it. Yeah, do you go out, uh, do any fishing or anything yourself? No, I've actually never caught a fish in my life. I've tried, but I've ne- never been successful. Mm. Must be the most hopeless person in the Isle of Man, I oh, reckon. Oh, don't take that sort of <laughs> attitude. There's probably many more. <laughs> but um, Kaylee Cool, uh, you mm. sp- you caught up with her because she's uh, been on a, a bit of an exciting trip, hasn't she? Yeah, she went off out to New Zealand after finishing her degree at Harper Adams University to experience dairy farming on a larger scale and I think she certainly had her eyes opened massive herds of cows 1300 plus at one farm you you don't find them on the Isle of Man do you? No, your hands would be sore if you didn't have a machine (laughs) (laughs) Alright, here's this week's Countryside for you Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual Well, people with an interest in the Isle of Man coastal waters have been asked for their views over proposed marine zoning. To find out more about the proposals, I spoke to Dr Fiona Gell, the Senior Biodiversity Officer for DEFA, but firstly to Dr Peter Duncan, the Fisheries Project Officer. Yeah, the consultation which has just been launched is an opportunity for for everyone who uses the marine environment to have a say in whether or not they think a zoning plan for the area between zero and three miles out is a good idea and how that should look. Basically what we're proposing is that different areas are 
used for different purposes. It doesn't mean that there will be exclusions of, of all types in every area, but we're trying to enable the sustainable development of all different activities, whether it's commercial fishing, recreational activity, recreational fishing, conservation, or even some new industries that may well be coming along, and giving all of them an opportunity to, to develop and, and make the most of the resources that we have in the area. Do the fishing people always take the the sort of mode that you, you pick on them and closing them down more and more, or is it really trying to help them in, in future years is the main aim? I think the answer to that is yes, and the answer to the, f- the first question is certainly there's there's always a little bit of fear when, when proposed changes come in um, and certainly the, the, the reduction in, in people's opportunity to continue their livelihood is, is important, which is partly why we're consulting on it. But I also think there's been a, a change over the last few years. We've seen the benefits that the closed area programme that we have has provided to the fishing industry. This is not saying that no fishing will be allowed. It's really about enabling us to manage the fisheries more appropriately in different places and for the long-term benefit. So it is about long-term planning. It is about sustainability and giving the fishing industry a future around the island. You mentioned um, about the the close to shore, the recreational side of it. Will that hopefully encourage people coming over that uh, there'll be a lot more fish close to the shore for little boats or people off the piers and beaches? Certainly I think so. If, if we look at some of the, the strategies that the government have launched recently, whether it's the Food Matters strategy or the Biodiversity strategy or recently the, the, the Sea Fisheries strategy, we're looking to increase the value of whether it's food or tourism or ecotourism. So I think things like recreational fishing, if, if we can provide areas which allow habitat to recover, to grow up, for, for juvenile fish to be present there, then yes, I, I think recreational fishing is something that, that could become a, 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 real, a real opportunity for, for the island in terms of tourism. But, you know, good quality marine environment is good for recreational divers, it's good for the wildlife that come to our shores and so ecotourism, people that take uh, wildlife tours, whether it's basking sharks or seabirds or seals or, or dolphins and, and whales, etc. I think, you know, a good quality marine environment benefits everyone. When we talk about the from three miles or naught to three miles, I mean, the fishermen, some people say, well, they've got the, the whole, is it up to 12 miles to fish in? Why, why would they need to be so close to the land? It really depends on where the, f- the fish resources, where the fish stocks are distributed. Um, it's certainly true that there are scallops, queenies, lobsters, crabs, etc., which come all the way at very close into shore. But different species live in different places. So a lot of the, the scallops and queen scallops are a little bit further offshore, whereas the habitats that lobsters prefer tend to be closer inshore so again one of the options in the zoning plan is to perhaps give a little bit more separation between the fishermen who fish for crab and lobster and those guys who fish for for scallops and queens and that may be beneficial to both types of industry. The great thing is that you're actually asking people who are involved in it or may want to be involved in it in the future with maybe some plans closer to the shores and this is the perfect opportunity for them to have a look at what you're proposing and actually fill in some information that might be useful to yourselves. Absolutely, I think we would very much encourage everyone who uses the marine environment or even plans to 
we're open for business, if, if you like. We'd like to see diversification of, of different activities and, and new industries or, or, or new activities coming in. But I think it's really important to, to make the point again that a high-quality marine environment, and that means conservation of a range of habitats and a range of, of different species, really benefits everyone. So if we can get that right, then the opportunities for sustainable development of commercial activities or recreational activities is there for the future. It is about planning for the future. Probably a lot of the fishermen that has been sort of bred in there from families and handed down from generations is that part of it that is encouraging to you hearing them sort of, well, let's have a look at it, you know, because I've got sons who have got sons or daughters who may want to be in the fishing industry in, in 10 or 20 years' time? For sure. I think it's, it's critical that we get that sort of dialogue. The Isle of Man is, is fortunate from a fisheries management point of view, from a science point of view and from a fishing industry point of view that we work actually pretty closely together and so we can have these dialogues and, and the planning process that's gone into the fisheries strategy and this proposal as well, as I said before, it, it really is about enabling people to plan better for the future and, and to have an industry based on the Isle of Man into the future, but that requires a bit of strategic planning. Turning to Fiona Gell, the Senior Biodiversity Officer for DEFA. You've been involved in this for many years and quite successfully so far with uh, some protected areas, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, we started a process in 2008 to identify the Isle of Man's first marine nature reserve and that resulted in the designation of Ramsey Marine Nature Reserve in 2011 and that's a zoned approach which we've, we've found has worked well. And through the process of, of consulting people on the first marine nature reserve, we got a lot of input from the whole of the population through various means, through workshops and surveys and so on, about what they would like to see more widely in, in the Manx marine environment. So we, we've been gathering that kind of information for a long time and that, that's all fed into this developing this proposal. One of the things that encouraged me when I when you started this and I was talking to you back then was the sort of quite a bit of support you got from because it was up the Ramsey area and quite a lot of support you got from the actual fishing boats that were based in Ramsey. Yes and that was something that was so special about Ramsey Marine Nature Reserve that the decision to have the Isle of Man's first marine nature reserve in Ramsey very much came from the fishing industry coming forward and saying that that was the site that would work well for them and then it also was a site that worked really well from the point of view of conservation because it protected the special horse mussel reefs and the eel grass beds and the merl beds and, and other important habitats like that so it was a great outcome with the fish industry coming forward and saying this is a good place for us and will work for us in terms of helping to, to make our fishery more sustainable and it did what we needed to do from conservation as well so we hope that these proposals and the consultation also build on that on the, those concepts. Now Peter said earlier about uh, it wasn't just the fishing that was involved and you're probably more in touch with that side of it the the preservation of making sure there's something there to keep the basking sharks and the dolphins and whales in our waters. Yeah, I mean, between the shore and the three-mile limit around the Isle of Man, we've got an amazing variety of marine life. We've got the, the stunning, dramatic cliffs full of marine life around the Calf of Man, and then we've got these unusual features like the horse mussel beds and the merl beds and, and so on. And they all sustain some of the marine life that we're more familiar with. We see more often like the dolphins and, and the Rousseau's dolphins, whales and so on that, that go past. It's really important that we've got those healthy seabed habitats to um, maintain the whole ecosystem. So by being able to give them more protection, we're potentially allowing them to regenerate and become more diverse and more interesting for divers and, and better to support 
angling and uh, the recreational uses and so on. And it's really important to conserve them in their own right as well, because these these habitats, are, you know, things like the merle beds, can have up to 600 species of animals associated with them. They're like the equivalent of our coral reefs. And we have just got such a great variety within a very small area of our territorial sea that we've got the opportunity to look after better and um, to safeguard for the future really and by doing that we're safeguarding the fisheries because it's all part of the same ecosystem and having the healthy habitats means that there's great nursery areas for cod and for queenies and and for a lot of these species so it it all interlinks really closely. The circle of life. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But you mentioned the the divers as well and do you have to work closely with just recreational divers? Um, Is that that something that's important to them what they want to see when they when they're diving down to the seabeds? Well we've got so much important information from divers and there's organisations like Sea Search that get divers to collect information systematically when they're on their dives and there's also individual divers who are are very enthusiastic and take lots of photographs and have actually identified a lot of the important habitats that we know about in the coastal waters because of all the keen diving they do and recording and so their input is really important to this consultation and we hope that we'll get a lot of input from from divers through this formal consultation but yeah through the previous work that we've done with the you know consulting the community on what's important in the marine environment they've been really key in identifying what's out there and how important it is and bringing to the public attention what important marine life we've got and so I think to, you know together with with fishermen who obviously are day-to-day in touch with what we've got on the seabed and, and, and the marine life divers and, and other people that collect you know people that watch whales or collect information um, on the seashore and things that that's so important that kind of citizen science feeding into mm. you know how we can manage the sea better where would we be in 10 or 20 30 years time if there was no protection around the isle of man at the moment i think you know there, there is a risk that we could lose some of these important habitats you know we don't know how how activities and the pressures on the marine environment are going to change in over that time scale and so we've got a chance here with some of these features which may have been there for centuries and um, to to look after them and protect them for the future so i think there's a real opportunity here to safeguard a fishing industry and the sustainability of, of fishing but also to protect what we've got in terms of the seabed and the brilliant thing about the marine environment is that if it's protected it can do a lot of the regeneration itself you know it, it, you can do sort of proactive restoration work but but it's likely to just improve on what you've got so hopefully in 10 or 20 years time if we can look after these areas well then they'll be infinitely richer and and just better than they are now so it's a great opportunity i think is there a, a good chance that um other nearby countries or, or in the if they're not looking after their marine environment and thinking, ah, just let it crack on, and we're looking after ours, is there a good chance we could get more introducing new species to to keep around the Isle of Man? At the moment, Ramsey Marine Nature Reserve forms part of an OSPAR network of marine protected areas, so there is a big push globally and then you know more locally in Europe to protect the marine environment we're using marine protected areas marine nature reserves and so on. So by protecting the marine environment in the Isle of Man, we're forming part of that and hopefully it, that allows important species to recover in various places so that the, the populations are sustainable and you don't lose lose species and so on. 
there are opportunities to maybe do restoration projects and there's there are species like the native oyster which we've lost from from manx waters that is something that it would you know it would be, be nice to restore in in the longer term could, but could, could you drop could you drop a few sort of baby mm-hmm. ones off the boats on good ground and hope that they recover that way now well and um, with the horse mussels for example which we're lucky because we've got those healthy roofs but in other places they've been doing very proactive programs to try and restore horse mussels and they they have done you know, used all sorts of different methods to try and encourage them to to settle and to to form the reefs again so they, there are all sorts of different options um that you know we could look at in the future but i think the really key thing is that the marine environment if you protect it a lot of these habitats will will do a lot of the work themselves to to regenerate so dr fiona gell the senior biodiversity officer off the marine side of defa talking to me and before that dr peter duncan the fisheries project officer and if you want to view the document you can get a hard copy from the defa headquarters at st john's and that consultation runs until thursday the 19th of may You'll be able to get in there and sort sort out your scuba diving and uh, your basking shark interests, won't you? Oh, yeah. Go down and see the seals. There's so many lovely animals around the coastal area of the Isle of Man. We're very lucky. It's it's quite diverse, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And there's lots of activities. And one thing they're trying to do is encourage everyone to, to use it. You know, like like I mentioned, the, the diving, the, the basking shark, watch people and the dolphins and the, the fishing people inshore there's people fishing um, out in the boats uh, quite close to the coast so you know as well as all the protection they're trying to do they're just uh, putting one or two things forward and, and doing the right way and going the right way about it by asking actually the, the public's views on it so no it's very good have you ever seen any of the the dolphins and the basking sharks go past the island i have i've been out in fishing boats off jerby head oh, with wow. a basking shark about 20 or 30 foot away and let me tell you when you're a youngster <laughs> that's you know, scary sight it, crossing your mind of uh, jumping on the basking sharks back for a ride round like you see in these films wasn't one of the things that came to mind <laughs> and also you used to years ago when they had the bombing targets off Jerby uh, you'd be out there fishing and there'd be a, an F-111 aircraft flying over you about 200 feet 600 mile an hour just to warn you that uh, they'll be dropping a few bombs on the target me. so uh, I think things have changed a little bit since then but um, yeah I think it's uh, it's good for for certainly hopefully the, the sustainability of uh, the island's coastal waters <laughs> Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Kayleigh Cool is a young dairy farmer from the south of the island and I caught up with her on her return from spending a year working on a farm in New Zealand. Well, growing up on a farm, you always have an interest in it and it, if it's in your blood, it's hard to get away from. But, um, yeah, we're just saying, in my earlier days, I definitely wanted to be a marine biologist. So it was, in the end, it was a toss-up. Between rock pools and the land, but yeah. <laughs> you always get back to your roots, <laughs> so to speak. So you chose a course at Harper Adams. Was this to do with dairy industry or something different? I chose um, agri-food and marketing with business studies. Just that I always had an interest in um, engaging with people and just seeing how, how the wider industries sell things. <laughs> marketing is yeah. one of the things at the moment in the forefront of agriculture. People are trying to diversify, sell their own produce, etc. Did you find on the placements that you went on, this was something that the farmers were doing more so in the UK now, trying to sell their own things? 
In my placement year, we all had um, a year out and I went down to Exeter to work in um, a large farm shop um, down there. It had about 4,000 customers going through it weekly. So it was, it was quite a challenge and nothing that we'd really have um, over here anyway. So it was good to see that insight and how really um, people care about where their food is produced and comes from. So it's good to see that side and good to see that people are still connected and interested in that kind of aspect, really. Would the food in that shop mostly come from the area or would it be from all around the country? Within reason, yeah, it was all from mostly around Devon and they also grew it on their own farm as well and reared the beef in their butchers as well. So that was mostly from their own farm as well, or Devon. So, yeah, it was all very local. <laughs> yeah. And in the restaurants and everything. Yeah, it was really good and a good experience. So. And then yeah. you headed off out to New Zealand after that. <laughs> was that to continue the same sort of project or something different? I worked up in the North Island on a dairy farm there, which was funny. It was probably the first experience I'd had working on a dairy farm outside of home. So it was good education to work for somebody else apart from Dad. They had 240 Holstein Frisians there on quite a high-intense system. I stayed there for um, five months, and then I went down to South Island to work on a larger farm. They had 1350 crossbreds down there, and we, I stayed there for three months carving the malls, so that was an experience. You learn how to uh, work very hard, and um, yeah, I'd never look at... <laughs> I remember one time we had 50 a day carving and that was a, a real insight of... Now you're back settled at home working the family business. Recently you've imported new genetics from Denmark. These girls will be settling in well, I imagine? Ah, yeah, yeah they've worked, worked very well for us. We're pleased with how they've got on. Yeah, we just fancied a little bit of... A little bit something different to keep you interested. You've always got to have something fresh. Yeah, we went for um, some Danish heifers. So I went over for... To Denmark. Yeah, we went around all of the farms just on a really whistle-stop tour of um, the farms and just selecting some heifers there. And we came back with 30. And was yeah, this one of fun. your ideas after coming home to the farm? Oh, I'd like to claim so. <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of a joint thing, really. We wanted, we needed some new heifers. We'd had bad luck with them. Um, the gender <laughs> in our head, a lot of bulgars recently, so we needed some fresh input. Yeah, we decided to go for some genetics that would suit our system, some more grazing girls and just with a bit more medium stature and lots of high fat and protein percentage, really. So those are the ones for us. So we're pleased with them so far and uh, yeah, we'll see how they go, really. And they'll be carved now, are they? And Yeah, they're all carved. They all carve well. We just put them out, we put every, uh, all of the cows out now to grass, milking cows, out to grass about a month ago now. Yeah, it's been pretty tough going so far, there's been a lot of rain, <laughs> you know, just have to get on by and there's a, they're a bit soft underfoot, but uh, no, they're all doing well at the moment, yeah. <laughs> so the Isle of Man does differ somewhat to New Zealand because everybody seems to want to follow the New Zealand methods, bring them back to Britain. But do you think they would even work here? You know, the climate alone is so much more different. Yeah, it's it's just such a different ball game, really. I think um, New Zealand is such an, a new country, and just even their farm layouts and setups are just so much more different than our little traditional hedgerows here. So uh, it's just a completely different way of thinking. But it's good to see that from that point of view, I guess and learn some things in that respect. But you've got to take small things away from it. But I don't think that it would ever work such large scale, especially, I don't know what we'd have done if all of our cows are outside and didn't have any sheds to go into this winter. It would just have been a complete nightmare. 
So it's horses for causes and every farm is different, which system suits. So I think we'll stick with this one for now. <laughs> but your cows not only uh, look well and do well for you in the milking side of things, you have great success in the show rings locally. And you yourself, you're the champion short horn <laughs> handler this year oh in the UK. <laughs> We show um, some of our short on cattle at the show. We bought them as uh, we were predominantly black and white um, about 10 years ago. We started with a small number of um, short ones, just to add a little bit of colour into the herd, really, and just brought them to a few shows, well, the local ones. And, yeah, they've done really well for us. They've kind of, kind of grown from that. And, um, yeah, they've done really well. Um, one of our cows was... Um, the UK champion in the photographic competition. So we were really pleased with that. We had no idea that that would happen in our wildest dreams. So that was quite cool. And she's now representing the UK in the world competition. So we'll see how that goes. But that was quite a funny surprise. We'd never thought of that. So (laughs) who would have thought? Yeah, we have good fun. And uh, it's a really good way of just getting out and meeting people and a good day out with your livestock, even though I really need to train mine a little bit more better. <laughs> I think they have an extra spirit shorthorns because, yeah. But you've said that, you still yeah. won the national handler for the shorthorn breed. Now that is uh, no mean feat. <laughs> well, it wasn't my car. I have to have friends in high places. But no, it was good fun. That was in the three county showground. That one, so we went away, um, a Manx team went away as well and competed in the Holstein ring and I went and competed in the the Breeds ring. But um, yeah, they did really well as well. Again, another way of just meeting new people who are interested in the same things and getting ideas of which bulls and genetics they're using as well and which ones would be suitable for your herd on the way home. So all adds to the experience, really. That was Kaylee Cool on her return from New Zealand. Fair old scale compared to the Isle of Man with the amount of cows and sheep out there, though. Oh, wow, it's just unbelievable. I think uh, compared to our small dairy farms, the traditional methods we have here, I think Kaylee's eyes were certainly open to some of those massive outfits. I don't know how they cope, really. No, and the nice thing about it is that we seem to get a few people that do head out to New Zealand bit speed, but we do get one or two uh, coming over to the Isle of Man as well, you know, that are very good with the sheep shearing, aren't they? Obviously, they've had plenty of practice over there. <laughs> I suppose your time, time in the Isle of Man when you're just getting it sussed and getting good at it, you've run out of sheep. This is right. <laughs> no, they, they do they do their season in New Zealand and then they come up and do our season here. And these guys are professionals now. They can earn a lot of money by doing the, the two seasons. And... Um, you know, they do the shows over here in the UK, the Royal Highland, Great Yorkshire and, and the competitions and it's a completely different way for them to compare to the New Zealand, you know, sheep sheds, you know, all day in a shed shearing sheep. It's, it's Ooh, madness, isn't it? All day, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's not tempted you to head out there for a holiday for a month? Oh, well, I don't know. We have enough work at home to do, but it's nice for a break. We went when we were younger as a family holiday. and It's great to see new methods and different ways of doing things. Um, it's vast country and, you know, Britain's trying to follow a lot of the New Zealand methods in outwintering dairy cows. It doesn't quite work here. We've got a completely different climate and I think you know, Kaylee discovered that as well and yeah, it's, it's a mad-sized mad place. Okay. Well, it's good to hear that uh, she's back safe and sound, certainly, and uh, she can she's not forget them experiences in a hurry. Next week on the programme, you'll hear an interview with Medwin Williams, who was over on the Isle of Man, a guest of the Manx Garden and Conservation Society, and uh, he is an 11-time winner 
off the Vegetable Awards gold medals at the Chelsea Flower Show in the past and come over to the island uh, to speak to the audience there at St John's and uh, he told me about some of his experiences so uh, be interesting for next week's programme Kerry. Oh definitely I assume he's grown a few more carrots than we do they must be very special ones. Oh they're special ones all right you'll hear about it next week. Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. There we are. Marine Coastal Zoning uh, there with uh, Dr Peter Duncan and Dr Fiona Gell from DEFA. Um, Don't forget uh, that proposals, uh, the consultation runs to the 19th of May and you can get hard copies of that uh, on the DEFA website. And also uh, Kayleigh Cool having a a pretty good trip by the sound of it, and a wonderful lifetime experience out in New Zealand, Kerry. Oh yeah, these she's brought some great ideas back to hopefully improve their systems on their farm at Balamoda. Uh, whether Dougie will want to embrace them is another story, but uh, it's a family business, and you know she really enjoyed a trip out there, and what a great experience. Mm, Manx haven't changed. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> not sure that'll go down well. But <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. For this week's Countryside, we'll be back next week with more. So from me, Simon Clark. And me, Kerry Kermode. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Don't sit in the slow lane. Join the fast lane right now with Shaw's all-new Superfast Plus Broadband. Enjoy more bandwidth, amazing speeds and the best value on the island from just £23.95 per month. So don't be left behind. Get a piece of the high-speed action with Superfast Plus Broadband from Shaw. For details, visit our stores in Douglas, Ramsey and Port Erin or click shore.com. Love being sure. Terms and conditions apply.